Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. In the first of two installments for episode 13, Graham McMillan and I look at comics malaise for periodicals, then move on to discuss Batman 702, the painted covers of David the Finch, Marvel 2-in-1, and The Thing during the John Byrne era, and then we move on to answer readers' questions about Adam Warren and Empowered, our irrational passions, and the burning age-old question, who's the most handsome blogger? Hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Jeffrey Lester and listeners. <laughs> wait, wait. Did you do that <laughs> deliberately? Because, like, I mean, apart from you answering... Wait, 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 wait. Deliberately, as in I was in control of my mouth as I was saying it? Yes. Deliberately, in any other sense, I honestly don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, okay. Here's what we got was something like, Jeffrey... And listeners, hick, no, that that was totally um, Skype messing up. I said, uh, Jeffrey Lester and listeners, welcome to something. I think I said, welcome to my world of happiness. I can't remember now. <laughs> but apparently, Skype doesn't want me to be happy. Apparently not. What a shame. <laughs> <laughs> My wonderful intro has been ruined. I know, I know. I'm deeply, deeply frustrated by that. That's really terrible. Well, hello. Hello. Uh, as it turns out, I called you back. This is on the laptop. I got a chance to check uh, the recording that we made, and although I sounded worse to you, which isn't surprising because I think the laptop is pretty, the netbook is pretty underpowered when it comes to pushing stuff out. It was fine for receiving, so the recording actually sounds about the same as our regular quality. So okay, uh, so well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that may well mean that um, uh, you know, while I'm in New York and I'm calling you, uh, you may have to set, put up with my AM radio voice. But uh, but honestly, you should have heard it. It was as if you were talking um, with your hand over your mouth, <laughs> and. <laughs> Every now and again, you just become really sharp. I can't really describe it properly. It, it was like when you used to listen to radios, and the reception would change. Right. So, and then they talk like a That's what it sounded like. It was very, very strange. But if it recorded fine, then that's fine, because I can make out what you're saying. It just sounded as if you were coming through an old radio. You are a trooper, sir. That's pretty awesome. That is too funny. Well, I will keep looking into things. It's just such a shame that uh, I can't use... Because I like this recording program. I guess I, I'm sure there's another one that actually works for Skype that that is Mac usable. And maybe I should just look into that. Because Lord knows, you know, Edie's MacBook Pro seems pretty damn smooth. I could probably record on that with no problem. It's just... You should just come into the Mac age yourself, sir. You know... I'm tempted, but I'm also afraid. <laughs> if it helps, um, Kate was very much the same, and now I don't think we'd ever go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can I can see it. I mean, I've been messing around with Edie's, and, and I was kind of appalled. Like, I was like, oh, wait, it started already? You know, and then I like would like, click to <laughs> exactly. open Firefox. I, I, I'm not having to wait for it to open up, and it's it's not just crashing a lot. <laughs> but you say that yours does crash out on you. Yeah, but it's when I do things like I'm running seven programs. What happens if I plug in my headset? <laughs> like I, it's almost like I'm daring it to crash. <laughs> well, I think that's that's something really close to human nature. I think you know because I, I do that all the time, and I think it would. It's just we can multitask beyond the capabilities of most of our computers like we get to a point where it's like okay like i can't even imagine like five years ago i couldn't have imagined the idea of having like tabs open on my browser at all you know what i mean like having oh yeah but i think about everything that i can do in my computer it's amazing i mean uh, i don't do it so much now but when i was writing for io9 very often i would have to take video from something i don't mean download like record video on my computer as it was happening And that just sort of like boggles my mind that I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. And so it's like we'll be doing things and 
I guess the next time you level up, you're like, well, okay, I've got, you know, five programs open and eight tabs on my browser, but I need my headset now to record something. And the next thing you know, your computer just says, no, no, you don't. Exactly. (laughs) You don't need any of that. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, hmm, well... What do you want to talk about? Do do we want to leap right into questions or comics? Or... I, well, I, I have I have something that I want to bring up to you and our listeners at home um, that I was thinking about just a couple of seconds ago, which was I was thinking about the comics that I bought last week because I was like, hey, we're going to talk about the comics I bought last week. And I realized that everything new I bought last week, I wasn't really that interested in. And I'm in this weird state of um, complete ennui. Uh... With 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 my current comics mm-hmm. and not with comics in general i should mm-hmm. say um i was rereading fabio moon and gabriel Ba's details which is a collection of their old stuff that came out i think four or five years ago from dark verse right. um the other night loved it uh i was i rereading set to see the Fantagraphics book that came out a couple of uh weeks ago loved it reading ronnie del Common stuff really liking it you know, all the like. There's lots of old things I'm enjoying, but everything I'm getting on a you know regular basis, with the exception of King City, mm-hmm. I I feel like I'm buying it for the sake of buying it, and maybe I'll get back into it because right. I know that for things like Brightest Day, I have you know there's been weeks where I'm just not feeling it, and then I'll go back and read a chunk of them and think, oh, it's no, I am enjoying it, but right. you know stuff like iZombie, which I really enjoyed up until that point. I was just like, huh, yeah, I don't, I'm not even really that bothered in finishing it. <laughs> you know? I, I just, I, I think it's a really odd thing, and I don't know if, if it's me, or if you've been feeling the same thing with, like, the books that you've been buying on a regular basis, or what? Mm-hmm. Talk to me, Dr. Jeff. <laughs> Dr. Jeff. That's one of the more terrifying phrases that we'll probably hear at a trial someday. I'm just sure of it. Um, that is a good question because, you know, I went to the store on Monday to grab a bunch of books to, to read. Uh, and I think sometimes there's something to be said for not going to a store every week because at least, you know, you walk out with a weird mix of, you know, there's like at least sort of an an accretion of stuff that you're excited about. Yeah, so... and, and the, the, if you don't go for like two or three weeks, mm-hmm. not there's not only more, but there's something you're probably going to be very excited about. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I was actually super excited. I like, I came home and I'm like, wow, I've got King City and I've got Batman 702 in this pile, and I'm going to sit down and and read them immediately. And I'm I'm really glad that I did. I'm also really glad that you didn't spoil the uh, the Kirby panel for me, which I will probably spoil which is for our listeners so now. Isn't it? Fucking is it... loved it. It's so just good. out of nowhere as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yes and no. I well, mean, no, I, I mean, it fits in with a lot of what he was doing in Final Crisis, and also yeah. what he was doing in Seven, so- in Seven Soldiers: Miracle Man. Mm-hmm. But in the Batman issue, it just comes from nowhere. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like, here's omnis- omniscient Kirby narrator. He's yeah. speaking in quotation marks, of course. And yeah. you're like, of course he is. This yes. is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Well, to to be fair, I do have the theory that um, one of the things that Morrison does on that scene that I think is really brilliant is he talks about, like, Batman steps into the room and he talks about sort of stepping into, like, myth, into stepping into a more archetypal, purer form of things, which, you know, runs throughout the, the issues. He's talking about the platonic form of the god bullet and all that sort of stuff. Um, which, which I find fascinating. Yeah. Like I, I love the idea that because I remember the in Final Crisis, Batman shooting mm-hmm. Darkseid and saying, you know, I don't shoot people for you and making an exception. And I recognize the um, he's trying for one of those oh, it's cool, it's unusual moments. Right. But I feel as I feel with that issue of Batman, he made it mean something, mm-hmm. 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 which I totally was not expecting. Yeah. Yeah. I I I agree. Um... And and I think that that was the thing that I was such a nice nifty trick of it is he you know he does do this little thing he sets it up and is like you know this is a pure domain so to speak that that Batman's entering and at that moment he feels 
you know, he fits in. His actions are justified in the sense of when they talk about, you know, the the dragon in St. George or the wolf and the, you know, caveman. And and also, again, I love the idea that, you know, Morrison in his sort of metatextual way is saying that, yeah, if you get down to a purer realm of storytelling, the way that Batman's talking about, that means you're going to be talking about Kirby, you know? And so it makes sense that there's a curb, that there are Kirby panels on that page because that's Morrison sort of pointing toward, you know, quote unquote purer storytelling. And I just, I just kind of love that. I really was shocked by the time that it, you know, history comes up in quotes, like it uses history to do it. I was like, holy fuck. I was so really impressed with that. I thought that was such a narrative gambit that worked on so many levels. I really, really loved it. And what I liked about it uh, was it's twofold. One, it brings me back into a lot of what he's been doing in Batman. Mm-hmm. That I Not that I've really been pulling away from, but I, I think you remember a couple of weeks ago or however long we recorded it ago, um, I talked about Seven Soldiers being like the, the end of Morrison doing anything that is not uh, self-referential and metatextual. Right. And I feel that he's... I feel that there's an ambition to what he, he did in that issue of Batman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sort of retroactively makes it, it makes me want to go back and read Final Crisis again. It makes me go, want to go back and read all his Batman again. Right. And I don't know if it was always his intent because I can't believe it's you know when he's writing R.I.P. He was thinking, you know, two years from now I'm going to write a two-part story that will connect us in Final Crisis, and then everything makes sense for people. Right. Um, but it, it's it really did make me think oh, fuck, you're doing more than I thought you were doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I, same with the um, with what Darkseid's revenge ultimately is, that he does reboot Batman. Mm-hmm. Or, or in that story, he reboots the Wayne family in a way that all of a sudden Return, from, Return of Bruce Wayne makes sense. Yeah, you were saying this, and I'm not sure that... I mean, you you were sort of mentioning it on Twitter, and I was hoping you could talk more about that because I'm not sure, frankly, that I'm I'm bright enough to follow it. <laughs> okay, I don't have the issue in front of me, but what I remember is mm-hmm. it is explained that history is rewritten using Batman's confrontation with Darkseid as the starting point, and it works backwards from there, and it right. rewrites history to poison Bruce Wayne's ancestry to ensure that that confrontation will happen, mm-hmm. but also to ensure that Wayne, uh, that Bruce Wayne as a person is in some way poisoned so that he can't win, so that Darkseid will win, even though he is going to be killed by Bruce Wayne. Right. Okay. That, which, ties in, which ties in with the mm-hmm. return of Bruce Wayne stuff about he can't return to the future, because mm-hmm. he, he himself has become Darkseid's final weapon. Oh, I see. Right, because that's... that's... I'm glad you mentioned that because that was sort of mentioned in one issue of Return of Bruce Wayne that I picked up because I don't have the first one. It was the the, uh, Fraser Irving issue where it's like they're talking about Batman returning and how he's he's his ultimate weapon. And I was I didn't know how much context. Where where does that come from? That's the first appearance of that in the series. They did not mention any of that in the first issue. (laughs) Of course they did. Okay, well that's fantastic. No, but but that but that's but the, that's what I mean. Like it's all of a sudden, it seems more than just another here's a wacky idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He explains it and makes. I mean, what what is beautiful is he makes what looks like a two issue fill in one of the more important parts of his entire series run on Batman today. Oh, I agree. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, although it's interesting, I didn't. I never got the sense that it was a, a fill in. So, well, um, maybe not a villain, but you know, I mean, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Straits, it's not part of Batman and Robin, it's not part of his original run on Batman, it's not part of Return of Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it just seems sort of out of there, and all of a sudden it's like, no, this is this is the issue you should be reading. If you don't read this issue, you know, that you will understand the narrative in terms of like plot, plot B happens because of plot A, but yeah. you won't necessarily understand all of it. This is, this is the key that you need to understand it and for it not to seem like a series of gimmicks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, in that, in that case, very much mission accomplished, I think. So, um... and, and I normally give Tony Daniel a lot of shit, but um, 
And I've said before that I think he gets really bad inkers. I think when he inked himself, I thought it was actually really interesting art. I'm still not sure I'd be like, he's my favorite artist ever, but it's the best I've seen him look. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting because part of me was like, I spent a lot of time talking about how awesome I thought his stuff was in 701. And then in 702, I found myself kind of going, did he get rushed or is he trying for a completely different approach here? Because the Batman looks um, weirdly uh, like weathered and odd. You know, he but but looks, I I think that's intentional. I think it I, is as well. I but. got I got the, the Batman and to a certain extent Superman as well earlier mm-hmm. in the issue. Um, are Daniel's attempt at making them bigger than life uh, and I don't want to say more iconic, mm-hmm. but definitely drawing them differently from the way that he would draw people, quote unquote. Yeah, and Darkseid as well. I think there's a sense of uh, taking them outside of a reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I. Yeah, I definitely got the sense of that. I'm not necessarily sure, per se, how well it came off. But, but again, that double-page splash where the Omega Beams are hitting Batman and he's sort of turning sort of super real or something with the dimensionality, mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought was really nice. I thought it was a, just a really great, great effect and a great execution of an effect. I just I, I liked it tons. I, I I think it was really, really good. And actually, to sort of take a, a side step for a second, another artist who I just don't, clearly have not been given enough credit for and who's recently started doing something that really surprises and impressed me, David Finch, who has suddenly started painting his covers for Brightest Day. And they're, they're so much different. They're like, there's so much more. And I don't know if it's one of these things where like, I'm being confused by um, the newness of it. But mm-hmm. it just, to me, his paintings, as opposed to his pen and ink covers, mm-hmm. just seem so much more interesting. They've got a really, really interesting use of color. There, there's, I think his scratchiness makes more sense on a paintbrush. Uh, and it, it makes me sort of think, huh, I, you know, I, I completely underestimated you before. Before I, I was of the David Finch is someone who spent far too much time reading Jim Lee and Mark Silvestri. Mm. Uh, and the paintings really at first I thought someone was just doing a painterly colour over his pencils right? but if it is I think it's him because he seems to be the only person who's signing them interesting um, but it's it's really interesting it's the cover of I want to say it's the cover of issue 8 and the cover of issue 10 mm-hmm. I might be misremembering and also the promo art for Dark Knight the Batman series mm-hmm. um, is painted as well and it's it, he still has a fascinating um grasp on anatomy <laughs> fascinating being the polite way of saying it uh, yes. but there's something about his color sense and his use of the materials when he's painting that that i kind of like him yeah I, as a sidestep for that you know it's kind of funny i i kind of had that um i always kind of felt there was a lot of potential for with him i remember like looking you know i picked up a lot of the the boot comics you know, once every four months when an issue would come out. And I, 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 I always liked it. I always thought it was kind of effective. It, like you said, it's very, he's still, you know, when he does his pencils, he's pretty heavy in the, in the Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri school. But you know, I always kind of felt that there was at least something a little more to him. Like, I, like he also did the art on some of the Call of Duty stuff. And I remember liking some of that as well. God help me. So, mm, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's kind of interesting. I'm mul- badly multitasking. I was trying to take everyone's questions off of Twitter and paste them into it <laughs> for us. Here. That's so, always a bad bad idea. I know, isn't it? It's really it is kind of bad. So um, but so, so time I am um, modern comic on Wii. I have something to admit that you can tell from times I am saying I have to admit it. You can tell how proud I am of it. Um, it was Excalibur's Excalibur Comics down the road from me here in Portland does surprisingly regular um, 50% off sales. Wow. Um, which, if you've seen the Brack Issue selection, is very exciting. Yes, I have, and I'm very excited. In fact, next time you get more than like 48 hours heads up, I might just fly up there. Um. So th- I swear they're probably going to do one like November. They normally base it around holidays. Like this right. was a Labor Day holiday, so they'll probably do a Thanksgiving holiday. Of course. Um, or they'll, they'll do a Christmas one. Um, I will let you know as soon as I know. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, so I go there and I'm looking at back issues and I, I kind of have made a deal with myself that I'm not going to spend a lot of money, but I want to get a lot of cheap things. Right. And I go in with very weird ideas of what I want. I want to get Justice League of America, um, but the Detroit era of Justice League of America. Wow. Which they don't really have enough of and not cheaply enough for me. Because mm-hmm. I really am thinking, like, I'm going bargain basement here. Um, I then think Power Man and Iron Fist. Yes. And they don't... No, well, here's the thing. They don't have... Um, they didn't have that many issues. And I think it's because someone got them because, like, they have a really good selection and all of a sudden, like, it stopped. Um, past the issues I already have. So I was like, Timmy, you know what I ended up buying? Sonic Disruptors? Sadly not. Marvel 2-in-1. Oh my god, and that's hilarious. And the series that followed it. Really? The John Byrne... Was John that Byrne, Ron, Ron Friends Wilson, issues? Ron Wilson. Uh, Ron Wilson, thanks, sorry. And specifically for the things series that followed it, the Rocky Grimm Space Ranger series following on from Secret Wars. Here's my mission. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's so... I can't say good. It's If you like a specific type of comic, it's so that type of comic. And it just so happens that I like that type of comic. Interesting. Okay, um, well... I loved yeah. it. I really did. Even though you can tell behind the scenes, like, something bad is going on. Because, like, John Byrne's ready, and then all of a sudden he's not. Right. And they're like, he's coming back! And he doesn't. I like that he does, and then he's off again. Um, but seriously, like, I was an artist who never got much credibility or. or and mm-hmm. The reason is his uh, anatomy is atrociously bad. Right, right. Um, but he also gets a five dose in it for the majority of the time, which oh, means wow. that it's also really nice to look at. <laughs> Even was though, the... like, everyone's head is far too small. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because like you think with that he drew a great thing and his thing is really just possible because he draws the thing pretty much with like human proportions which is really <laughs> weird um but it, it's it's weird stuff i mean did you did you remember were you reading that era of the thing or, or marvel uh, you know uh, from what i recall i i was definitely reading marvel although because i think i was back in school at that point I, like high school. Yeah, um, it would have been, um, this is like 84 to 85. Exactly. So, so as I recall, I had trailed off on Marvel 2 and 1. I didn't even make the jump to, there's some of the, what are considered kind of classic Peter B. Gillis style stories with like Project Pegasus and stuff from Marvel 2 and 1 around issue 50 or so. I was kind of pretty much already off the, the Marvel 2 and 1 boat by then. I ended up picking up the first couple of issues of the thing post um, Secret Wars because I kind of thought that it would be it would seem like an awesome idea, and I, I remember being kind of underwhelmed by it. I think part of the problem was for me it seemed like such a uh, it seemed like such a potentially great idea. I mean, it's practically you know Planet Hulk twenty years before the fact, mm-hmm. but I think my problem with it was kind of a, at that point, I felt that Ron Wilson was... I'd kind of had enough... You know, I didn't have as much fondness for people really heavily working the, the Kirby influence mill at that point. You know, like, growing up, everyone, you know, all both Basima brothers and Rich Buckler and all those guys were pretty much sort of, like, made to, to draw on that style pretty heavily. Wilson and, and friends to Ron friends to a certain extent. I remember them as both being guys that always inevitably ended up working with like Tom DeFalco, it seemed, and doing sort of being brought in whenever there was sort of a more back to basics kind of but yeah, it's it's very classic Marvel style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny you're and, mentioning friends because I almost uh, got the Ron friends Tom DeFalco Thor issues that immediately followed Simonson. Yeah, see, and that's the other one that I was thinking of too, where it's kind of I, I get I get friends and Wilson confused because I think they have sort of a similar, very obvious Kirby influence on their sleeve that that gets kind of pushed to the forefront depending on what they're being called in on. But I ultimately I kind of felt like as kind of 
as interesting an idea as it was supposed to be, I felt like there was just there, the bat, the the planet that was cobbled together by the Beyonder mm-hmm. out of various other planets or whatever had no juice to me. Like the whole thing seemed kind of weirdly kind of arbitrary. And, oh, it really is in the initial issues. I mean, the initial issues like they are that much. We got Ben Grimm in space. What do we do? Oh shit, we don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but what it builds to mm-hmm. uh, really ties back to the earlier issues of the series as well, which can only be described as John Byrne is really depressed and is trying to be deep. Um, <laughs> I'm not joking. The first issue of the series is the thing goes back to Yancey Street and talks about his brother dying um, and how others led him to be taken out of Yancey Street and have a better life. Um the next issue is his. he meets up with his college girlfriend and she was beautiful and she'll reject him because she's a monster. But no, she's had a stroke and she's a monster as well. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and like, seriously, like, that's, that's the tone of it. it it's, it's so odd. But, so the end of the Secret Wars, like, cycle, I guess I would call it to be pretentious. <laughs> Secret Wars cycle. <laughs> hilarious so the end of it is the planet didn't give him the the ability to turn back into Ben Grimm he always had that ability Right. the planet however created another Ben Grimm because the planet has like wish fulfillment powers which was actually set up in Secret Wars itself Mm. and since the the thing was having could not decide whether he wanted to be Ben Grimm or be the thing and so manufactures a conflict that leads the thing or the thing's imaginary companion, who is, again, another personification of part of the subconscious, to murder Ben Grimm. Mm-hmm. And so he loses the ability to ever turn back into human, which right. you know, lasted, what, two years or something before they turned back right. into human? Right, exactly. But, but at exactly. the time, like, the, the end of the story is he has been confronted by his human self, who is, who is a monster, because hello, heavy-handed, everything, um, and has been killed by him, so he can never turn human again, because he isn't allowed to be happy. That's the end of it. And then he goes back to Earth and it's like, oh, Alicia, you've hooked up with the Human Torch. Oh, right. fuck. And that's like, literally, it's, it's so, for the thing who I love, and I, one of the reasons I love him is he, I find him a very optimistic character despite the, you know, the inner turmoil and the inner pain and I am a monster and everyone thinks I'm ugly. The way he deals with it, I think, is a very inspiring way. Mm. Um, it's like Byrne has decided that this is the book I'm going to try and be deep about man's inhumanity to man. <laughs> Which is completely... Because it's written in like that sub-Claremont in the 80s way. Do you know what I mean? Where, yes. where everything is incredibly flowery and the best way to finish it as an episode, uh, an issue when you're, you're, you're making a point is either to have silence or to have someone watching another character walk away. Um, okay but to jump in now just because on the one hand you're absolutely right but the the but the silence and the one character watching walking another character walk away that's not real clermontian it has to be said well I, actually it is but they well, I, they I feel it comes from before claremont i feel people it does it comes from pretty specifically it comes from this man this monster um you know that classic ff issue by lee and kirby where you know grim ben basically decides that i hope it's this man this monster where he he it's, you know it's, is it's like, this monster is the one where he gets replaced isn't it yeah so maybe i'm thinking of what's the other one where he spends all the time basically hating reed and then essentially realizing that he's an he's an asshole and he, he ends up walk and it's the same sort of thing he walks off and he's kind of saying i'm just always going to be a thing you know is that um, no is that not the end of this man this monster are they not both the same thing now, it you know I wish I didn't have all my goddamn books packed away because I just jump over to the masterworks. Yeah, it is. It's the I, let's say it's the end of this man, this monster, and listen to everyone correct me later. Ha, ha, but have you just before you go further? Have you read the Doom Patrol issue where it's a complete parody of that? Oh yeah, exactly. I, I love that issue so much. I, I, I love that issue. I can never think of this man, this monster without thinking of the Doom Patrol issue. Yeah, but you know the thing that I. I still think that although Morrison was was doing it trying to be completely cheeky, I think I still think he actually sort of loses because that issue. Well, it still reads wonderfully. Like even if you have no idea that it's a parody, it's it holds up entirely. It's a story. 
See, and that's what I think is great, is you actually, at the end, you find yourself kind of going, ah, you know, and I mean, it's, you know, half of it starts off with that sort of cheeky, like, what if we did the DC characters the Marvel way, and so he recasts this whole thing, but but by the end of it, the, that, that essential sort of little story hook is strong enough. Anyway, so my theory is... Um, you know, Byrne was a huge believer in the let's take these characters back to the basics, as you know from his his run on Fantastic Four. And I think that he really felt that the best way, that, that the quote-unquote right way to do the thing is to basically have that that undercurrent of pathos, the he's walking away and someone else is looking at him kind of thing. Um, no pun intended. No, which, and, which I'd almost agree with if mm-hmm. it wasn't for the fact that you can't do that all the time oh i agree i agree uh and and i i think the you know unfortunately i think burn's success at the fan with the fantastic four turned him into you know sort of the lovable reactionary crankpot that we have today um in in that he he kind he goes too much in one direction and doesn't realize that it that, that it it actually really kind of is a blend. Um, so I think his whole idea was he's like, okay, how do I restart the thing in a way that we can essentially a new way for us to feel pity for him without just returning this whole situation over and over again so he kills off the can't turn back to Ben Grimm thing uh, situation I keep saying thing in this which is so confusing and then he goes back and he has to deal with the fact that uh, Alicia is now in love with you know the human torch and you know it's kind of like hey here's a new way to get sort of classic Ben Grimm which is the angry character and the character that is full of self you know pity Mm -hmm. And then we'll try and move to the area of sort of re-injecting that sort of lovable cigar smoking scamp type character. The, but he he didn't actually stick around. That's what I was going to say. The enough. funny thing is, like, pretty much as soon as Ben Grimm comes back to Earth, he's off the book. Yeah, exactly. I, I think his last issue is the final issue of the um, the Space Ranger story. But um, yeah. it's just it's it's fascinating to read, and it's it it speaks very much. It will marvel to him one more than uh, the later thing stuff. Speaks very much of my childhood. Um, they were reprinted in the appallingly titled British comic, "The Thing Is Ben Is Big Ben." That was the title of the comic. The Thing Is Big Ben. The Thing Is Big Ben. Yes, it was the title of the comic. What does uh, that mean? Was the second feature Big no, Ben no, comics no, or big, something? Or? Big Ben is in the, the big clock in Britain. Oh, Big Ben. Big Ben Grimm, I see. No, no, no I figured I knew the clock, but yeah, I just no, didn't grab the, the tie. Big ben really. was, it was the name of the comic, which is a terrible name of a comic. Um, but I, I wish I could remember when that was published. It was reprints of that and of Perman and Iron Fist. Oh, man, dude, that sounds which like was, the, greatest the greatest British reprint thing. ever. Yeah, yeah. it's the greatest thing. Uh, and I want to say it was like 82, 81, 82, um, because it was the latter issues of two and one. So uh-huh. like it's him with Machine Man and um, I think there's a Paramount and Iron Fist team up in there, Spider Woman's in there, you know, mm-hmm. not not the early ones that most people know. Um, right. And it's the Joe Duffy, Kerry Gamble, um, Paramount and Iron Fist, you know, the really, really, really good stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do love that stuff. And that, that yeah, maybe that is 82. I mean, again, it's that Well, the, yeah, the reprints like were all over the place because Secret right. Wars took a long time to get reprinted over in Britain. And then when they moved past Secret Wars and continued, they changed the title of the same comic to Secret Wars 2. They reprinted so much more than Secret Wars 2 in it. It became essentially a Marvel Universe book. And they reprint whatever they wanted. Um, and just every now and again, putting another issue of Secret Wars 2. <laughs> and it, it worked all for the good, to be honest. It was a much better comic because of it. Yeah, no, I can I can imagine. I mean, uh, you know, like burn through the Secret War Two stuff and then move on to some of the other stuff being published by Marvel at that time, and you know, you've got you've got half a great comic right there. So, um, so you know, they do like Power Pack issues, Burn Fantastic Four issues, Avengers issues, and then do the Secret War Two crossovers like in between that. Right. Oh, man. 
Yeah, no, it's kind of you. You heard about the amazing um, Planet of the Apes stuff. The, yes, yes, I, the, I, which I, I'm sure you'd love to see. And I can't believe someone hasn't actually got the rights to republish it. I can't yeah. believe Marvel has not somehow worked out the way to republish that particular stuff. You should explain for people who actually have no idea what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. For for those of you who are completely baffled by my gram and my scary forms of shorthand, uh, they the Planet of the Apes uh, Marvel books that were being done over here were reprinted over in, in the UK, but because the publication schedule uh, in the UK was so much faster, it, it was fortnightly? I think it was weekly. Two weeks. I say it was, was it weekly? weekly? Yeah. That, that makes a lot more sense. That was definitely the year when they're also doing Star Wars Weekly and other things weekly. Yeah. Right. So they burned through so much material so much faster, and particularly in the case of the Planet of the Apes material, which was just running off of the the large size black and white magazines that they ran out of stories but still the title was still popular enough uh, in the UK that what they did they started taking old Killraven stories and pasting gorilla heads over the heads of the, the people that uh, Ape Slayer uh, was fighting um, and just recycled a bunch of Killraven stories that way which I I love. I just think that's like the best. Like, just go through there, and anytime you see Martian, just white it out and put in ape. And I've seen a few pages thanks to um, one of the Tomorrow's books. I assume back issue. And yeah, I I I love those so much. I mean, if you think about it, though, it's got to be a, an unbelievable rights nightmare because not only is it stuff that was created, you know. By Marvel, but it's it's also Planet of the Apes. It would have to be Marvel that would publish it. Yeah, it would, it, but it would have to be like in theory, Planet the, the licensed material would be the Planet of the Apes. So I can see where, like, on the one hand, Marvel would not want to let Fox reprint that stuff, and I can see why Fox would not want Marvel to reprint that stuff. So um, there's a know. market for it. If only they could work it out. Although it's the market that would buy like the Jack Kirby collector. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a huge market, but I'm shocked that nobody has the rights has gotten the rights to reprint Rom, considering the amount of love that Rom Space Knight gets. Online. Yeah, but to, to be fair, it sounds like Marvel has been trying to get the rights for a really long time, and that it's Parker doesn't want to give it up. Mm-hmm. I believe it, and I'm just like. It'd be great if there's like somebody savvy in like the Marvel department will be able to use you know Disney somehow to leverage that stuff out of Parker. You, you know what I'm really really surprised has not been reprinted? Mm. Kirby's Machine Man. Oh yeah, yeah. That's and the crazy. reason I say that is Marvel has a workaround for the Monolith. Do they? Yeah, the Monolith appears in Earth X and Paradise Day and all of that and Alex Ross stuff. And is given a non-2001 origin. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why Marvel cannot reprint Machine Man. Right. I don't know. I, I, I guess, ultimately, they just don't want to. It, it could be. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how strong a feeling that is, um, but it, it may be such that it's not the ha- it's not worth the hassle. I mean, they've done a pretty good job between the Eternals Omnibus and Devil Dinosaur and the Kirby Captain America Mad Bomb stuff. Like, most of the stuff from, from Kirby's Return for Marvel is, you know, in that weird Schrodinger's I'm, imprint. Yeah, that yeah I'm really surprised Marvel had gone after MGM, especially now that MGM is, you know, fine. Right, and got the license to 2001 again, and done an omnibus of 2001 and Machine Managers, because that would sell. Because that stuff has not been in print for fucking years. Right. No, I know, and um, I don't know. I would be, I would be kind of fascinated. I, you know, it might be one of those situations where, um, you know, the mechanics of this stuff is always a mystery to me. I'm, you know. It, it is the is the Marvel reprint stuff of Kirby stuff things that actually make money for them, or is it the yeah, sort of I, thing that's I, I like a know. labor of love kind of deal? I think know? it's I think it might be the latter, to be honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but I, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Because if it because if it's the latter, then I can see where the guy in collections who's been you know putting these forward and proposing them at every meeting and eventually getting them you know greenlit. 
you know, can't quite figure out it, you know, he can't come at the light, you know, potential licensing issues with enough clout to say, no, 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 we can do this and it's not going to be a problem. Like, you know, we, we can get this stuff from a song from MGM because in theory, it, it's not necessarily a song or the rights are, end up becoming unbelievably fragmented in different ways so that it's like, it's not just MGM. They also have to deal with Clark's estate and they have to deal with Kubrick's estate. Not necessarily, but it could, it could well happen. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be fascinated to see why it hasn't happened, if only because I think the fact that it has not been in print for so long right. would mean that it would sell at least as well as Devil's Dinosaur. Yeah, I would think so too. I, I would think so too. Um, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Oh man, we're really screwed. People are actually giving us questions. Are they, uh, are they really? <laughs> yeah, they really are. I, I sent out a second call. For, I, I saw that, and I thankfully have not actually checked since then. <laughs> I, I figured everyone would totally ignore us. And well, uh, did, you see, did you see the questions I got this morning? No, I only saw, okay, I saw I, Adam I, Nave, so I just figured oh, there was just one. You didn't see David Brothers? Uh, I did when he went back and mentioned it, it like he responded okay, to I, me. I, let's, for the 18 minutes left in this before we hit the RMR, I will tell you the questions from this morning. Okay. And we can maybe answer them. Uh, <laughs> Lucas Siegel from Newsarama, which, as he uh, announced today, is now more popular than Gawker and... No, sorry, than Gizmodo and AOL, according to some <laughs> thing. That, that, that's what he said. I'm not, I don't know whether it's true or not. Um, says, who put the bop in the bop she bop bop? My my understanding is it's the same person who put the ram in the ramalama ding dong, right? Oh, good answer! <laughs> <laughs> wow, I was just going to say stop asking stupid questions, but I'm glad you went with that one. <laughs> um, David Brothers has three questions for us in one tweet, which yes. is really impressive. Uh, he wants to know our uh, opinions on Empowered and Adam Warren's work in general. I honestly haven't read enough to say anything beyond I like it, but obviously I don't like it enough to really hunt it down. But I know you love Adam Warren. I do, absolutely. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Let me let me tackle this one first. You know, I'm looking forward to there being another empowered volume at some point. Uh, and and the great thing for, about David Brothers asking me this is on my to do list for probably two months. Um, and yet, of course, I've got the book packed away. I picked up the Galactic, Galactica, no, Galacta one yeah, shot. Yeah, the, the Daughter of Galactus, which yes. I, to be honest, had completely bypassed me. And then I saw online the other day and I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. So have you have you actually read the issue? or No, the... no I just saw that it existed. Exactly. And my thing was, I was so torn. I was really like, oh, God, Galacta? Really? Like, I love Warren's work. I'm really going to pick this up? It seems... Yeah, but if, if anyone could make that work, it's him. And I have to say, having picked up the one shot, I feel that it works. It's a very entertaining, it's very much an Adam Warren style. I think you would get a big kick out of it, Graham, uh, because it is... Um, it's very much like it's absolutely unlike all of the rest of Marvel's cosmic work that is being done by Abnett and Lanning that a lot of people tend to love and you're left more or less cold by mm-hmm. Warren clearly knows the obviously the characters and so he comes up with sort of it's it's such a charmingly like this is an idea that like Stanley or Roy Thomas would have basically thought of where Galacta is uh, you know this is the offspring of Galactus but she's committed to not going on a, a perpetual you know energy binge and devouring planets and in fact is on Earth and ends up using her insatiable cosmic hunger to um to destroy and devour alien threats to Earth, and see um, that that's kind of wonderful. Yeah, it really is. I, I'm so torn on this though. <laughs> um, here's here's why. I think Adam Warren could make it work, and I think it sounds great. Um, and uh, the last Adam Warren thing I read at Marvel was Hypervelocity's Iron Man thing, which I loved. Which was really, really good. And yeah. one of those. Why doesn't this man write Iron Man on a regular basis? Oh, because Marvel wouldn't like that. 
right. moments. You know, it's just it's mm-hmm. too smart for a regular Iron Man book to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me at some point I want to talk about um, Matt Fraction's Iron Man, but I'll do that later. Ah, see, this the, is the, I was going to reason, mention that too. Yeah, the reason I don't like it is I've told you the like three ideas I ever had if I was ever forced at gunpoint to write Fantastic Four, right? I don't think you. One, one of one of them is mm-hmm. that a cosmic entity falls in love with Galactus and decides to destroy the Earth and present it to him as a gift. And I feel this is so close to it. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> this is this is actually quite different. Um, but now I've given that idea away. No. <laughs> Too late, fool. Yes. Yeah, like, uh, like anyone would ever do anything with that idea. <laughs> no, it's 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 not it's not such a it's not a bad idea. Although I have to say that, um, and and this was you know something that I didn't cover in the course of talking about Hickman's shield is the best thing I think everyone could do with Galactus is kind of leave him alone for kind of a good long time. So initially part of my problem with Galacta was kind of this idea of like, oh man, I do not want Galactus in here. Like fortunately he's a, he's more or less a largely absent character. He sort of appears on the last two pages or so, as I recall. And, you know, Galacta is more or less working through her daddy issues. It really does seem like something that shouldn't work. I mean, it really does seem like going, you know, going to Hollywood and pitching them like the Fantastic Four movie, and they like seize on Galactus and turn it into Three's Company, the sitcom. But yeah, but I think you could do that in comics. I I, I genuinely think it sounds like it sounds like a charming idea to me. Yeah, yeah. I think I honestly think that um, that that. It, it ends up being incredibly charming. It's just a one-shot. If you see it at Excalibur or if our reader's listening, come across it probably in a dollar bin or something. It's entirely readable and totally worth picking up. I think it's incredibly charming. Now, all that being said, there's something about Adam Warren's work. As I love it on Empowered. I love his other stuff. I kind of feel like it's it's... It's it's just on the threshold of being quote unquote there um, for me. There's something that's kind of missing. I mean, I sort of get the sense that it's it's rough because I I'm hoping that the empowered gig actually works for him in terms of giving him regular money and that the sales on the volumes are good and I I heartily recommend it. But I also see where his tendency to take a comic and pack it with too much information is you know it's possible that i'm just just an old fart but i feel like as 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 great a job as he does with it i don't feel like it's necessarily that there's something missing and i can't figure out what it is it's not the characterizations he always makes it a part to put a characterization in there and uh, to put in a um a character arc in it in fact one of the things that really amazed me about hypervelocity was toward the end of it i was so connected to the Tony Stark AI that is the actual character of the of the of the miniseries that I was kind of like, oh man, you mean I don't want to lose this guy, you know? It's like mm-hmm. I really care about this character that is clearly designed to be, you know, a an, sort of another I don't I don't know sort of suit of armor in a way, another reflection of Tony Stark in a way. Um, but what, um, what sorry, I find you my, the closest I come to a. Uh, uh... A problem with Adam Warren's writing is I feel he writes in quotation marks. I feel he doesn't have characters as much as he has character types. And I think that his character arcs are... They're there, but I think that they're very much there. As in, I don't think they come around organically. I think they're placed there. Interesting. Um, And I think in something like Empowered... Mm -hmm. I like Empowered, but I don't love Empowered. And part of the reason I don't love Empowered is it's one of those things that is very much complicit in the thing that it thinks it is satirizing. Right. Um, and I feel that Empowered, the character, is... I, I find her really disturbing. And I think I find the book disturbing because she is such... She's so objectified within the story and outside the story mm-hmm. that even her personality traits feel like fetish objects 
you know right. what I mean? Like the, 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 uh, she's uncertain about herself. Right. You know, I, I don't know. I feel I really. No, I see. I, totally I, I, see I genuinely saying. find empowered as a book mm-hmm. kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel that when I do enjoy it, I enjoy it. But I feel like I'm almost doing it so despite itself. Interesting. Um, I, I can certainly see that. And I think, I think your problem, I can, particularly in the case of, of Empowered and Warren's work, I can see how those two things feed into each other. Because when you have characters who are types, and then it's squarely in the, in, um, the framework of something like Empowered, which is about objectification, having the main character be a type does heighten that feeling of objectification of you're looking at an object and even when he's exploring things if there is a problem it is i think that his characterization cannot necessarily go that deep um and in fact i ended up growing more satisfied with empowered the more the volumes went along as sort of as the supporting cast begins to grow um, and also, I think Warren does a very clever trick, sort of pulled sort of right from, from manga, which is that if you have a character that is not necessarily so great, having a lot of other characters that you like talk that character up can sometimes do the trick and, and make the difference. It's, it's a bit of a cheat, but I know that it works for me in that it's like, oh, I actually sort of like the... Uh, drunk ninja chick and I like the thug boyfriend and the fact that all of these characters actually stand up for Empowered and say that she's wonderful kind of makes me feel like yeah okay maybe there's a there there but I'm also aware at the end of end of the day that it's a, a bit more of a trick my personal feeling is is well is that I feel that with Empowered with the stuff that he's done for Marvel for a f- huge bunch of chunks that he's done uh, over the last couple of years, Warren's an incredibly talented creator who's been compromising himself to please the editors and get by. You know what I mean? Like even Empowered grew out of this sort of very strange self-defeating. Like I'm doing cheesecake sketches that aren't cheesecake, and I'm and I don't like them, and I'm I'm figuring out ways to undercut them. And at its best, it ends up getting caught in that kind of recursive loop. And again, with the Marvel Universe stuff, I feel that, you know, some of the things that he's pitched seem like ideas that are kind of like, okay, I'm going to meet you in the middle and, you know, I'm trying to give you everything that you want uh, and tone down, you know, my Adam Warrenness, uh, and, uh, and and consequently, it never quite feels like it jibes right. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, I do have to say the one thing that I worry about with Warren is his version of kind of valley youth speak kind of stuff struck me as as pretty fresh like three or four years ago and has kind of started to feel a little bit dated there's there are a few times when people are running around um like you know sort of the the white guy saying yo you know when when the robots are running around going yo mecca you know i'm like wow this has popped up four times and it's it was it was pretty clever the first time, but I feel like it's it's his his ear is kind of starting to to is not staying as fresh as I think that he would like, um, and is consequently sort of it's getting a little bit Bob Haneyized, which may eventually end up being you which know, may be a plus, yeah, right, maybe a plus on its own, but but ends up not being the the original thing that it attracted to me or that I think that he was trying to do when he was doing the dialogue. You know, when he jumped in on Gen 13, um, I thought he was doing some really strong stuff, uh, in part because I kind of felt like, wow, here's somebody who at least is trying to pay attention to how... Exactly, to how young people actually talk. Exactly. And I thought he did a great job with it. I'm not sure that it's aged so much over the time since he's been doing it, you know, like he's continued to update and stay fresh about things, so... I really wanted to follow that by saying yo, but I'm so Scottish that there's no way I could it. <laughs> embarrassing. It's true. Even saying it in that context, you were so bashful about it. Was it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> David Brothers, next question. 
Yes. Comics slash music slash movies slash books we inexplicably like. To which I say, did you hear me talk about Justice League last episode or the thing this episode? (laughs) Okay, but because I spent so long talking about Adam Warren's work, you should give us a little bit more about maybe uh, music or a movie that you inexplicably like. Oh god, power pop. If you give me something power pop music-wise, I will find some value in it, even if it is completely atrociously bad. Um, yeah, but you're from the UK, so we expect that, Graham. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, American power pop, I mean. No, 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 no. I, I'm saying that, that you, you guys have the yeah, tendency... We have, like... we have, yeah, exactly. Give me, like, you know, three-part harmonies and boys with guitars, and I'm kind of a sucker for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, no, I want to. I want to spend some time in the next question, which is who's the most handsome blogger? Ah, uh, is 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 that even really going to be up for discussion? Oh, I want to hear your answer because I have an answer. You you do or you don't? I do. Oh, I figured you did. So yeah, why don't why don't you go? Oh, no, with that? I, I want you to tell me your choice. You you sounded very definite. Oh well, I, I because of course it's like when that question's being answered, I'm like. From when so, the person asking it is like, I'm like, well, I think I know who David Brothers would want me to say. Exactly. So I was, I was really tempted to just actually like, like just, give it to him, you know. But, oh, really? Yeah. You're, you're giving it to him? Well, I don't know, because I, of course, it does seem a little too easy, right? Uh, well, and I, ha- you know, so who were you going to say? Well, it depends. If he's talking about all, I'm going to have to rework Goku. Wow. Um, if he's talking about comic bloggers, he's I'm talking saying, about comics bloggers. I'm I'm coming down to Brothers himself. Mm-hmm. He's a fine figure of a man. He is. Or David Wolken. Oh my God! I was going to say David Wolken too. I was going to actually turn around and go, yeah, give it to David Wolken, who I just met recently. <laughs> exactly in San Diego, right? Uh, yeah, actually oh, at the Scott Pilgrim party, Diego, and then yeah. at San Diego. Yeah, and All it was like right this, then. This has to be called the. Jeffrey Graham or gay for David Wolken. <laughs> <laughs> I like that we both went to the same guy. That's hilarious. It's a, it's a shame we didn't video cast this so we could like write down on the paper and hold it up at the same time because uh, yeah no that that was definitely it. Although you know I, no, I, I honestly I think I, it's a fact really it depends what you're into. I think both of them are perfectly handsome and attractive and. Right. Like charming, I I think both of them had a lot of style and and yeah, I I think it really comes down to what your taste is. Yeah, but I have to say I have not I still have not met a ton of our our brethren comics bloggers. <laughs> Neither have I, to be honest. But of the ones I've of the ones I've met, I'm giving it to the Davids. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a, a good plan. Plus, most of the ones that I know, thanks to you, uh, in part are are women so it's kind of like i'm like handsome i'm like huh i'm like i don't think esther would want to be called handsome oh no he's definitely talking about men he wants the answer to be him oh i we we all know it we all know it (laughs) and uh yeah i think actually he and uh david wolken should have a handsome off and um, uh, I think I think at WonderCon, I think we get David Wilkins coming from WonderCon next year. I, I was going to say they're both going to be in NYCC, so I think we should do oh, like a Zoolander you style, you know, like the the catwalk off or whatever. The challenge has been set, gentlemen. <laughs> I know we're both into this. <laughs> David, New York Comic Con. Someone has to have a video camera. Meredith Warner, if you're listening to this, if it was you, that would make me very happy. <laughs> have a handsome off and put it on the internet we will host it at savagecritic.com if both of you are too scared to put it up on your own site that's um, right yeah really that's it's gonna happen it's worth the bandwidth for us um <laughs> now I, oh sorry what were you gonna say i was just gonna say is it safe to assume that this means you are not coming out for new york comic-con it is at uh, this point i think safe to assume because october has suddenly become very busy with visiting people here what? Mm-hmm. Ah, tell them to go to hell. I'm good. You should come out to your Comic Con. Some of them are in laws. Oh, oh. <laughs> Say no more, dear so, listeners. So, so really, yes, I'm going to tell my in laws to go to hell. I don't think that's going to happen, Jeff. And you could probably pull it off. I, 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 I was, I was, uh, I really was weighing up, you know, is it worth going out, blah, blah, blah. 
I, I'd love to go out, but at this point, it's just turned into unworkable in terms of time. You know, the thing that's ironic is we've got all these questions, and it's like, I have a handful of comic books that I sat down and read, so I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, I guess I'll have to talk about those in some weeks. So, no, uh, this is what we should do. We should stop here. We've, we've yes. done an hour, which is normally when Skype starts to go crazy. Mm-hmm. We were leaving it on the bombshell of David versus David, um, handsome off in New York Comic Con. Please, yes. someone make that happen. <laughs> and we should come back. We should talk about your comics, and we should go into um, questions. I was about to say, I think we should go into questions, and then if we have any time left, we can get to my comics, because because Lord knows some of these questions will just not wait. Okay, then. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs>